You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome back to the most serious podcast on the internet. Are you sure about that? (laughs) I'm here today, not alone, as you might imagine but with a close, long-haired friend of mine. We've been friends for years, and I'm just so happy to see him again. Blake, how are you doing, my friend? (laughs) You know, sometimes I second-guess the thing where I put the note in that says, Justin, do the lead-in. But, you know, (laughs) this was not one of those times, so I'm I'm doing well. Uh, We didn't record last week. Obviously, we re-ran the episode with Scott and Gage, which was a blast. I forgot uh, just how much fun that was that we mm-hmm. had back with those guys. Um, but that meant that our Wednesday night recording uh, was not happening. So I was sad about that because I very much enjoy uh, these experiences during the week. Um, you could say it's just something to, it's familiar, it's comfortable. It's its like part of the, the rhythm of the week. It's like having your coffee in the morning with a distilling theology mug. But wait. <laughs> I'm not talking about our Herman Bavin quote mugs for the what? first time in months. What? That's right, folks. You heard it here. We have a new mug. <gasps> but wait, there's more. <laughs> we not only have a new Covenant Theology is Distilled Theology mug. We have new merch in the store that you can put on your body. <laughs> Whoa. Are you talking face masks? I am not, unfortunately. Not so, yet, anyway. Oh, stay, stay tuned. tuned. <laughs> uh, we <laughs> we now have a baseball hat or baseball cap. You know, traditional hat. Just a regular dad, hat. Dad a dad hat. Uh, it's a good with, gift for the dads in your life for Christmas. It is. I'm a dad, Blake. Mm. <laughs> I have dad jokes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so we have those. We have... Uh, knit hat or beanies, uh, often called meanies. <laughs> we have beanies in the store uh, that have distilling theology logos on them. We also have uh, an awesome hoodie because the cold weather is coming. So you can represent your least favorite podcast. I mean, your favorite podcast on the Internet with a covenant theology is distilled theology hoodie or long sleeve shirt for the wow. men and the women. We oh. also have if you want to cozy up by the fire. Break open your copy of John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion and pour your favorite distilled spirit. Keep those leggies warm with a distilling theology fleece blanket. Available only at shopdistillingtheology.com. Where, wait a second. Only? Wait, where else would somebody even get that, though? It's only available here. Well, I... Shocker to me. You can't just go to Walmart and buy that. Uh, but in Blake's, all seriousness... Speaking of glassware <laughs> oh um unfortunately that update is not so so dun, we're, dun, we're dun. almost there we're almost there uh we're talking with the guy who uh, makes the glasses for us and figuring out the logistics of how to handle um the shipping and the ordering and just make sure everything's done correctly because we want to 
make sure the glasses get to you safely and all of that kind of jazz. Uh, mm-hmm. I hate to like spend money on a glass only for it to arrive. So what you're saying, but, Blake, is almost but not yet? Already and not yet. <laughs> yeah, well, post-millennial. It's very amillennial of us. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the other thing, though, which is very post-millennial of us uh, in the sense that uh, these gifts are going to... <laughs> Keep on blessing the church. Uh, <laughs> they will build you up and encourage you and, and challenge you in your faith. That's right, folks. We did a giveaway not very long ago, but we're doing another one because what? this is our 50th episode, which I cue the sound effects. Dun, yeah. Dun, I, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> thank you all for sticking with us for 50 episodes. I know we already hit the one year mark, but for some reason, just the rounded number 50 feels more legitimate. Um, it does. So, yeah. So, because of that, we're doing a giveaway. And in case you couldn't guess already, we're doing a Calvin giveaway. What? And, Justin, what uh, book or books are we giving away? You will be eligible to possibly win The Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. If you're a patron, you can actually see what that looks like. You will also be subject to possibly win the letters of John Calvin, along with, oh, there it is, the letters of John Calvin, for you patrons who can see this. Uh, Also, Truth for All Time by John Calvin. And what else can they possibly acquire in said free merchandise giveaway? Well, while you are uh, sitting there reading the Institutes of the Christian Religion, and learning about uh, the covenants and covenant theology, what better way to kick back and do that than with a hot cup of coffee in a new covenant theology is distilled theology mug, um, which the our designer like just knocked it out of the park. I love the artwork. Nailed I, it. I definitely spent money on our own merch because I want that design in my house. So don't forget your blanket. Don't forget the blanket. The blanket's not part of the giveaway, though. So No, it's not. So you have to pick that one up on your own. But uh, I highly recommend. So go to distillingtheology.com slash giveaway to enter for a chance to win. This giveaway is going to run from the 8th through the 18th. So it'll be open for 10 days. And then we will announce the winner on December 22nd, which is a Tuesday with our normal scheduled release. Excellent. Also, I, I wanted to note that the books were provided for us very graciously by Banner of Truth. Check them out. They have some of the greatest collections on there. They have really cool uh, paperback or a pocket mm-hmm. Puritan series of uh, a collection of books, which are really cool. They're like a little faux leather bound um, collection of like the, the, the Confessions, the Heidelberg. I uh, got some yeah. John Calvin, some Samuel Rutherford. Great stuff. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. Banner, just in general, they're one of the, the premier publishers mm. of out-of-print works. Puritan so, paperbacks, my friend. Mm-hmm. I got a couple yes. of those. And yes. I, and so it is their um, translation, their print of Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. So for those who are extra nerdy and curious, that is the 1541 edition, as opposed to the uh, beverage translation, which I believe, I believe that translation is from the 1800s uh, into English, which comes from the 1559 Latin, like full version of the Institutes. But the banner version, I find much easier to read. And you still have all that rich, mm-hmm. good, uh, Calvinistic, reformed covenant theology. Uh, not not that you. the beverage edition is hard to read. I mean, I, you know, no. I, I sat through that. It's it's very densely packed, but like, yeah, it's, the it's, formatting on the page is not as yeah. easy to, to approach. And also the 
the translation that Banner is using is from the 21st century, so there is a little bit of difference in the language. Um, but that's just a sidebar. So anyways, go to distillingtheology.com slash giveaway for your chance to enter uh, between 12.8 and 12.18. Now, what are we sipping tonight? I am really excited, actually. Um, this is the Johnny Walker Black Label Director's Cut, the Blade Runner edition. Um, oh, oh. I have had the Black Label. I have not had this particular um, uh, version of it, so I'm, I'm really excited. And um, yeah, apparently it's bottled at 49% alcohol per volume, ABV. Yes. Um, it's not age-stated, so Correct. not sure exactly. Um, yeah, but I'm excited. I, I, apparently, it's a it's a blended. I mean, it's a blended Scotch whiskey, right? It's mm-hmm. priced generally around the ninety dollar range. Well, it was as, when it came out. Okay, I think so, nowadays because it's not. It, they only made a limited run. I think they only distributed forty thousand bottles to the U.S. Okay, yeah. So I have seen it. I was looking for it the other day, and it was upwards of two hundred dollars a bottle now. So yeah, it sounds which about is a right. tragedy. Yeah, because it's really good. Um. And on the back of the box, it says created by master blender, Jim Beveridge in collaboration with visionary director, Denis Villeneuve. Beverage? Black like label. the beverage edition? <laughs> Black label, the director's cut, combines clouds of neo-noir smoke with a gentle glow of neon sweetness. Sublime sparks of otherworldly fruit emerge from undercurrents of pepper. From the shadowy depth, something profoundly delicate is revealed. Uh, it comes in this really cool box and packaging and I'll post it on Instagram and probably in the Facebook group, but it's a really uh, the, cool bottle. The, the bottle it comes in is amazing. I, yeah. um, there's a funny story about how I, uh, acquired this, but I will tell you that at another moment. Uh, first let's see, what do you smell, Justin? Yeah, this smells great, man. It's, it's definitely more sophisticated than the standard black label. Um, it's, it's really more fruity than I anticipated. Yeah. It's yeah, very the, fruit forward. The smoke is almost an afterthought. Yeah. Um, like when you have, if you like roast vegetables on the grill, like they do have that kind of smoky quality to them, but it's not front and center. It's more kind of to the background. This is what that reminds me of but with fruit. I mean, I guess you do the same thing like uh, roasted pineapple or something like you have like that fruitiness um, and then the smoke is just kind of, it's there, but it's sure, subdued. Sure. Very different well, yeah, from the white of we've been sipping. I'm getting more of like a, like a honey crisp apple or a red apple, but there's also like a, like a marshmallowy kind mm-hmm. of, uh, dude, that yeah. kind of fills the mouth. I do get the marshmallows, man. <clears throat> and I think that's probably where some of the smoke comes in. The, mm. the sort of the toasted marshmallow kind yes. of, uh, kind of smell. Yes. Maybe raisins or figs. I get a little bit of that. I think, I think like figs, marshmallows, some ripe apples, um, I'm actually getting kind of like a green tea vibe. Okay. I could see that. But it's it's very, it's in the back. It's very in the back of the nose. Yeah. No, man, this is really good. I was actually oh, just looking because I tasted this for the first time in 2017. So this is from my review from 2018. So uh, I noted... Toasted marshmallow, vanilla, a pinch of sea salt, a hint of fruit. I uh, got the raisins and dates, some mild smoke present as well. So very similar to the notes that we're getting. Yeah, uh, I think today. it's a little bit more fruit forward than maybe originally. Yeah, had noted I'm, that At could least be this a virtue of age. Yeah, this yeah. Particular yeah, man. Gram. 
but soft and sweet still 100 percent. it's Very funny though because now as i'm thinking about it the marsh toasted marshmallow is way more front and center to me now the more that yeah. i sit with it um the fruit i think is so in the first smell the fruit was right out of the gate honey and fruit but now the fruit is further back for me and i'm the, getting that like the more i smell the toasted marshmallow i'm almost getting graham cracker as well now Ooh. just because of the smoke yeah and i think mixing it with the apple and mm. like the fig kind of gives it a graham mm. cracker kind of smell or taste smell. yeah man i it's get that the, yeah let's get into this thing man i don't yeah, want to wait any longer say la let's Cheers. delay oh man oh oh boy oh that's good There's almost Ooh. like a, it's almost like leather Himalayan salt. <laughs> yes. Um, there's black pepper. There's tea. Caramel. Mm-hmm. I'm almost getting like, oh, man. on the back end, I'm almost getting like cotton candy. Okay. Yeah, I can see oh, that. Oh, man. There's a lot. Yeah, I definitely. So that as is it complex. subsides. Yeah. And the finish is long and lingering mm-hmm. like it's super mouth watering. Um, I am getting those like billows of t- pipe tobacco smoke mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at the end. Um, juxtaposed with that like bitey It's almost black like pepper. oak tannins. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot happening. Oh, man. There's like powdered cocoa. Uh huh. This thing, this is com. This is a rich and complex scotch. This is why I'm so. You know, it's funny. As soon as you said oh, that, man. I started smelling a little bit of a cocoa note on the nose too. Very, very subtle, along with the marshmallow, like the marshmallow, the graham cracker, that kind of cinnamony, nutmeggy spice, the figs, um, the honey. There's a lot happening. This is a really good whiskey. I am very pleased. Cheers. I'm sad that this is so expensive. Fifty episodes, man. Cheers. Dude, cheers to that, man. I can't believe it, man. Twenty I mean 50 50. We're we're like we're like halfway to a century of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Although I missed an opportunity. We should have tasted this last week in episode 49. Mm. Oh well. Rest in pieces. We tried. Oh well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. That, that this has gotta be like as far as like blended scotches go. Oh yeah. This is in my top five for sure. Oh, easily. This is so good. Wow. Hold on. So this is what I wrote two years ago. It starts with some fruity sweetness and a touch of marshmallow. The middle grows more complex with layers of sweet tobacco, smoke, oh. and some heat. The finish is long on this one, lingering sweetness from the beginning with billows of camp smoke adding complexity and richness. Mm. Man. On point. Dude, our palates are developing to the point where, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, another 50 episodes and we're going to be able to smell our way into the right bottles. You know what I mean? <laughs> In other words, if so, <laughs> let me explain what I mean. <laughs> Please. <laughs> what I mean is we'll be able to smell and know what bottle we're smelling just from <laughs> just mm-hmm. from the smell. Mm. Mm. Right, dude, it's so good. Mm. Mm. This whiskey tastes like what it's like to read john calvin 
ooh, rich, complex, intimidating sometimes, easy but yeah, to ingest, easy. and it's not. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't bite you. There's a lot. Mm. There's a sort of pastoral warmth, as it were, <laughs> <laughs> like you get with John Calvin, <laughs> and a sweetness, uh, and a richness, and a complexity. Like you, you can have all of the things. You really um, can. And in a way, in, in something that is sometimes maligned and misrepresented by people and looked down upon, mm. uh, which is unfortunate because it really wow. Is. So yeah, the double black label is is that was enjoyable. The yeah, black I like the double is, black. I had that. Yeah. Uh, a couple nights ago for uh, we had people over. Yeah. The regular black label is just a disappointment now. It's a tragedy. Honestly, dude, and even compared to the double black, like the yeah. double black is is uh, like I could sip that pretty frequently. It's got like a nice. Oh, yeah. It's smoky. It's it's sweet. It's just a good mm-hmm. scotch. Oh, yeah. And the green label. But this takes the cake, man. The green label is quite nice. That's about $60 a bottle. But the blue label, dude, I had the blue label uh, at, a, at a buddy's wedding. Oh, yeah. Um, that was. That was that was complex. That was a, oh, yeah. I mean, for three hundred dollars a bottle, better be ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it was good, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy. Well, let me just do a real fast look up before we jump out of this section and into the the next section of the of the episode. But look, Tony and Jesse did like forty minutes of affirmations and denials before they got to their actual content this week. So I don't feel bad. Yeah, dude, you gotta you gotta save that uh, you gotta save that bottle. Oh, I'm going uh, to. Yeah, well, don't I drink it all. Oh. So, Remind me at the end of the episode to um, share the story behind this because mm. getting the bottle was kind of a, kind of a, a journey because it oh, was did you not distributed. Yeah, and it was not distributed to New, to New York State. So I already finished one, um, Rest in uh, like two years ago, and it. Um, I don't blame you. Yeah, and it was empty, or, or so I kept the bottle though. Like I kept the actual frame. Oh man, I don't even see it now when I'm when I'm looking online. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, wait, these guys have it for, that can't be right. Yeah. This Dude, is I wild. picked up, I picked up some rum today that I'm really excited. We're going to have to share that. I'm going to have to send yeah. you a sample because it, bless, I'm, I'm really pumped. Rum is yeah, still man. my, it's my go-to spirit these days. Oh man. yeah. I just love rum yeah. and you can get top, top shelf rum for less expensive than you can get top shelf whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's just cheaper. Um, so I'm, I'm getting like a really cool complex distilled spirit without breaking the bank. Mm. This is the way. Plus I'm a pirate. Yar. Well, that's something. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's open up with some prayer and jump into it. I'm in. You don't have to, you don't have to tell me twice. What are we reading tonight, sir? Folks, if you turn your Valley of Vision with us to page 62, we are going to be reading the gospel way. Uh, Because this is the way. Mm. Blessed Lord Jesus, no human mind could ever conceive nor invent the gospel. Mm. Acting in eternal grace, thou art both its messenger and its message. Lived out on earth through infinite compassion, applying thy life to insult, injury, death, that I might be redeemed, ransomed, and freed. Blessed be thou, O Father, for contriving this way. Eternal thanks to thee, O Lamb of God, for opening this way. Praise everlasting to thee, O Holy Spirit, for applying this way to my heart. Glorious Trinity, impress the gospel on my soul until its virtue diffuses every faculty. Let it be heard, acknowledged, professed, and felt. 
Teach me to secure this mighty blessing. Help me to give up every darling lust, to submit heart and life to its command, to have it in my will, controlling my affections, molding my understanding, to adhere strictly to the rules of true religion, not departing from them in any instance, nor for any advantage in order to escape evil, inconvenience, or danger. Take me to the cross to seek glory from its infamy. Strip me of every pleasing pretense of righteousness by my own doings. O gracious Redeemer, I have neglected thee too long, often crucified thee, crucified thee afresh by my impotence, put thee to open shame. I thank thee for thy patience that has borne with me so long, and for the grace that now makes me willing to be thine. O unite me to thyself with inseparable bonds, that nothing may ever draw me back from thee, my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Mm. Wow. Every time, man. It gets me yep. every time. Like, yeah, dude. Specifically, I, I'm reading along this and I'm thinking, uh, you know, take me to the cross to seek glory from its infamy. I mean, the fact that they're referring to it as infamous, right? Mm. Uh, it's just really cool. But uh, specifically when it gets to, I've neglected thee for too long. How often do we neglect our king because yeah. of, um, our, as this says, darling lusts? Mm. Ridiculous, man. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. So yeah, tonight we wanted to just kind of recap the last five episodes because they were they were pretty intense and, and a blast <laughs> for us. Um, but we wanted to reflect a little bit on uh, Calvin and, and Calvin's theology in relationship to the gospel message, mm-hmm. right? Um, you often find, at least I have often found, that Reformed theology and the five points of Calvinism in particular are maligned by other other people who I would consider, in many cases, brothers and sisters in the faith. I'm not even really thinking about what unbelievers think about it. Sure. Just other people who trust in Jesus and who love his word. Um, these doctrines and, and Calvin as a, as a person are often maligned as being harsh and unfair. Sure. And uh, to quote Roger Olson from his book Against Calvinism, he views that these doctrines, he thinks these doctrines turn God into a moral monster. I lost track of the number of times he used that phrase in the sure. book. And so I think it's important, as we mentioned earlier on, right, Calvin, Calvinism, the five points of Calvinism don't start with John Calvin, right? This mm-hmm. idea of the sovereignty of God and salvation. Sure. Um, but who was, right, Calvin, born 1509 in France, died 1564 in Geneva, Switzerland. So he wasn't terribly old, um, mm-hmm. but was, lived a very full life. Yeah, but lived I, a very, very full life. I think one of the reasons that reformed theology is so offensive to people and that they make these, these arguments about God being this moral monster. I think, I think all that does is actually affirm the point, the idea that by nature, right? We're prideful. We want to put ourselves on the throne of our lives. And so this idea that we have no control over our eternal destiny, that God is actually sovereign Mm -hmm. over everything, including where you and I end up eternally, that mm. God would be in control of that, that God is so sovereign that he decreed even evil to pass. You know, these things come and pass at God's decree. It's not as though they've surprised God. So 
if God is truly sovereign, that removes any possibility of pride on my part. There's nothing I can be proud of. There's no pride that I can hold on to because I have no control Mm -hmm. until God has saved me and gives me the ability to, to, to turn to him and worship him and love him and, 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 and give him the honor that he's due. And so I think one of the reasons that people do that is because they don't like that their pride is being affected. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a very subtle and it can come in very subtle ways, even by, brothers and sisters in Christ who don't necessarily affirm our particular soteriology, it's because uh, we're still sinners, right? We're mm-hmm. still, we all have bad theology somewhere. <laughs> and so that's, that's an issue. Um, and, yeah. and the ironic thing about the argument that God becomes this moral monster, if he's in control, again, just mm. Begs the question, according to what standard is sure. God a moral monster? Whose standard are you applying? Yours or mm. God's? If God is making the decisions and God is who he says he is, there's nothing right. he can do that's immoral. Mm. So right. if if you're if you're saying God's a moral monster for sending sinners to hell, then yeah. you don't escape that by by saying that people have a choice. I mean, yeah. there's no you can't escape you can't escape that application across the board yeah no and i think having read calvin um i'm amazed by his gentleness mm-hmm. by his kindness by the way that he writes uh there's a booklet it, it there's different translations of it um i read the version put out by reformation trust a little book on the christian life it's only about a hundred pages or so, and it's an excerpt from the Institutes of the Christian Religion, right? It just comes from a section there. Yeah. But some of the things that Calvin says in there are, it is some of the best writing at, at that point, and even to today, that I'd ever read on suffering in the Christian life and on um, bearing the cross as a believer. Uh, he does not propagate this cheap grace to, to borrow from a later uh, figure in Christian history, you know, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's frame, framework of cheap grace and costly grace. And I find oftentimes people think, well, if it's all predestined and this and that, then why do anything? You know, and Paul, we have obviously been over all this in the, in the episodes before this. Um, Paul refutes that outright, right? Shall we sin more that grace may abound? May right. it never be. But but Calvin, uh, the person who's often uh, portrayed in this negative light is he is calling people to repentance. He's calling them to bear their cross. He's, he's reminding us that in the midst of struggle and suffering, Christ is near to us. Mm-hmm. And that in that suffering, we actually get to experience Christ in a greater or to a greater degree than if we weren't in the midst of those trials. And um it's just such a profoundly practical theology, which is interesting because oftentimes it gets accused of being so abstract and heady and philosophical. And it certainly has those dimensions, but I found reformed theology to be eminently practical and pastoral. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, When there's, when there's confidence that God is successful in the things that he sets out to do because he is in control I, I'm not sure what can be more comforting than that, right? Mm-hmm. What can be more comforting than recognizing that uh, that God always accomplishes what he intends to mm. and that his promises, when he makes those promises, are going to come true. So if he promises us, his people, that you will be raised up on the last day, what greater comfort is there that yeah. he will He will keep us despite our our desires to wane and to sin and to and to fall away? 
that he will keep us. Um, I I can't think of something more, more pastoral and comforting than that. Mm. There's also something interesting too, to be said about Protestantism broadly, but also Calvinism specifically. Um, Protestant, the Protestant reformation obviously shook up the European world. Mm -hmm. Um, and in many ways, I mean, you look at the history of America, not, we're not a history podcast. Obviously you can go and read some books about this, but like, Yes, there were deists and there were atheist or, or agnostics or or various movements, but there were also a lot of Protestants in the in the founding oh, days sure. of America and a yeah, lot of Calvinists. Had, quite frankly, yeah. well, you had Presbyterians, you had Baptists, you had Congregationalists, mm-hmm. all of which were reformed in their soteriology at that point. For the most yeah. part, I mean, you had other uh, streams, you had deists and just general sure. theists and stuff, but um, but there was a lot of uh, like our constitution in, in a lot of the founding of our country was based on the advice in the, in the, um, wisdom of pastors and theologians mm-hmm. of the time, um, uh, informing our law informing uh, the, fo- the foundations by which this country right. was originally laid. Well, that actually brings up an interesting, I, I was having this conversation with somebody today, um, who was lamenting, uh, this kind of, ideological attack on you know the u.s con- all these things and I, again i'm not a constitution i'm not a, a scholar in in the constitution but i do know this the constitution is written in such a way that it makes it difficult for a political party or a political figurehead to totally reshape the country like it, yeah. it, it is intentionally difficult to make changes because uh the founders recognized that mankind left to their own devices is morally corrupt. Right. They, they, they had Calvinistic assumptions about the nature of humanity. And so when you remove those assumptions and you assume that people are basically good and that the desires of their heart should all be honored and followed, well, mm-hmm. that doesn't, of course you want to tear down social systems uh, and political structures that were designed. In literal on, structures. <laughs> right. right. And, and based on the, the assumption that human nature is corrupt. Right. right. And, and it does not function uh, when those are some, right. So, so, and we're not, we're not getting into all of that, but I wanted to read this quote from uh, Britannica.com about John Calvin. They said mm-hmm. that um, uh, obviously like the institutional and social patterns he had worked out for Geneva deeply influenced Protestantism elsewhere in Europe and in North America. And this quote here, the Calvinist form of Protestantism is widely thought to have had a major impact on the formation of, of the modern world, mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting quote from Britannica, which is just sort of just here's encyclopedic information, but that's an interesting yeah. observation historians make. Um, well, I mean, it's because it's yeah. historical Christianity, right? It's, it's yeah. historical Orthodox Christianity that we've put a label on now to differentiate ourselves from evangelical fish in general, right? The, 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 the modern church, the Western church in particular has become so broad. And so uh, the term Christian has become so hijacked. Um, the fact that we have to specify, no, like we're Bible believing, reformed uh, Christians who affirm, you know, the creeds and the confessions and all these things. You have to be so specific now because saying you're a Christian now doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, and also it's interesting, right? We are in an interesting time in the West. I was listening to uh, a couple episodes of Mortification of Spin. Carl Truman has a new book out um about the modern self and about the the sociological socio uh economic and and uh, psychological impact of the way that society has been moving and like where we're heading to i was listening to uh les's new podcast gospel riot where todd mm-hmm. was on his episode they were talking about suffering 
And they also cross-referenced another uh, thing that I, I posted in, in the discussion group today from Rod Dreher um, about um, Christians under persecution in different mm. in different types of regimes. And one of the points that they they drew out through all that is like, look, if we're me- if we're preparing for that and we're preparing to do that well, then we're good. But if we're coming into this with this, well, I'll never suffer and I'll never have a hard time. Um, it's going to be really bad if things turn in a, in a way that is, you know, right. un- unpleasant for Christianity. And Calvin had to flee his home of France. Like he had to flee France because of persecution, because yeah. of the, the king of France and the, the government was intolerant of reform of this reformed movement. And if you read the opening pages of institutes of the Christian religion, it's Calvin's letter to the king basically saying, look, we're model citizens. This is what this is what we believe, King. Like we we are not a threat to your governing authorities. Yeah. We're good citizens. We love our neighbors. This is an outline of everything that we espouse as reformed Christians. Um, now, yeah, I think one thing that we should cover real quick, because people who hate Calvinism often will say, "How can you support Calvin? He murdered Servetus." <laughs> oh yeah, dragged him personally uh, into Geneva. Yeah. So, just a, a quick. Brief history. It was illegal in Geneva to espouse heresy. Okay. It was punishable by death. John Kelvin did not come up with that. That wasn't his law that he came up with. Um, and in fact, when when Servetus was uh, writing his heresies and teaching his heresies um, and said he was coming to Geneva, John uh, actually warned him and said, don't come to Geneva because you, you might die. Don't right. do that. That's a bad idea. If you want to live, don't come here. <laughs> um, yeah. But he wasn't going to say, no, he's not teaching heresy because he was. Yeah. So on one hand, you have the caring uh, Christian man saying, please don't come here. You're probably going to die. <laughs> uh, but if you do, I can't stop you. I, I can't yeah. do anything about it. And so I'm I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell the truth about the fact that you are espousing uh, heretical views. He, on one hand, he's not going to lie. On the other hand, he's like, mm, don't do that. So it's not as though he was sitting there lighting the torch himself and setting the dude on fire. Uh, just FYI. And he actually pleaded for an easier sentence, a quicker mm-hmm. sentence. He said, please just take his head off <laughs> so that he doesn't right. have to be burned alive because yeah. he wanted uh, he wanted to minimize the suffering of, mm-hmm. of, of this man who was still a heretic, frankly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he warned him. He said, don't do it. He was honest and he tried to, he tried to reduce the guy's suffering. I mean, I don't know what more you want from the guy. Well, it's also (laughs) worth noting that the Calvin had no authority in the court. So he was brought in to be a witness basically to say, yep, this is what he taught. Uh, That is uh, unorthodox. That is heretical. Right. And then um, he pleaded for the sentence, but it was actually his political rivals in Geneva who had the authority in the court. Mm -hmm. There's a great article about this on Mm desiringgod.org. Um, it was, they were the ones who said, Nope, this is what we're doing. So, but it is interesting though, how history has this very, uh, selective memory. Well, that's Um, true. That's true of any history. I mean, look at what we're dealing with now in America, right? mm -hmm. Selective, selective memory with our history. Yeah. And it's interesting because again, he has this sort of, he's, he's brilliant. He's razor sharp. Um, but he's also like despite that what what could be cold and callous he is so warm and and kindly i want to actually go find myself a 
there's a, a particular passage in the little book in the Christian life that just stuck with me. I'll see if I can find it real fast. Um, but in any case, it's it's a really, I, I would recommend if you're looking to start reading Calvin, I would say that was one of my favorite introductions. I don't know if you had. Uh, which which one? Uh, the little book on the Christian life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a great. Um, I have two copies of it, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually given one for free from some order that I got. I forget who it was from. Maybe Ligonier. Mm. Um, and they sent yeah. us a free copy. And then and then I have a. Uh, I have a, I think I have a banner edition as well. Mm. Um, yeah, here's a it's little a great bit of introduction. A, yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Here's a little quote here from this section. Um, Bearing our cross is a part of self denial. Calvin writes, the more we are afflicted with adverse circumstances, so much more certainly is our communion with Christ confirmed. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> well, it's like when I read Calvin, it's like every, it's like every other sentence, man, I have to like sit down and think about what he said, because number one, a lot of the writing you read nowadays is so dumbed down uh, for the layperson. Um, you know, that Calvin was writing to the layperson of his day and there was just a higher level of, of academia in the church. You know, yeah. the people understood the doctrines that they believed mm. um, in, in, in many ways more than we do. And so yeah. um, at least culturally speaking, I think actual uh, reformed believers, we, we know where we stand generally speaking, Sure, um, which is, I think why a lot of the, we get a lot of accusations of Christian intellectualism or, mm. you know, all these dogmatic uh, attacks saying, Oh, you're too dogmatic about these things because yeah. we, we know what we believe and why we believe it because we love to learn about these things because yeah. the doctrines are so rich and the history mm-hmm. is rich. Um, and I think a lot of times confidence and firmness in our belief are often confused for arrogance. Um, there's nothing wrong with being Christian and being intellectual about your theology. You should be. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. So another quote from a little book in the Christian life that I really enjoyed also on that self-denial chapter, Calvin says, rather everyone should consider himself, however great he may be a debtor to his neighbors. And he must set no limit to the exercise of kindness toward others, short of the failure of his own resources. For such kindnesses, as far and as wide as they extend, should conform to the rule of love. Which again, people don't associate that kind of writing with John Calvin. What? <laughs> but what's he saying, right? He's, he's saying like, all these things that we're doing, this is all great, but it should prompt us to love one another, to love our neighbor as our right it should prompt us to be conformed to the image of christ in that way yeah well i mean when speaking of the gospel he says it's not a doctrine of the tongue but of life calvin says right so he says it cannot be grasped by reason and memory only but it has to be fully understand when it understood when it possesses the whole soul and penetrates the inner recesses of the heart so Mm. sure he's writing these thick and rich and complex doctrines in ways that to us seem very academic. Um, But the whole point that he's making with these rich truths is that they need to penetrate our soul and our hearts so that it actually plays out in our life. It actually uh, leads to action. It leads to practice, right? Right. If we're not practicing these doctrines that we say we believe, we don't believe them, frankly. Mm. We don't. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. There's one other quote he had uh, that I, I, noted uh, when I was reading it last time to sum up everything 
in a word. The cross of Christ finally triumphs in the believer's heart when their eyes are turned to the power of resurrection. Mm. In other words, when we recognize that the cross of Christ is triumphant, not just because Jesus died for us, but because he lived, he raised again and he ascended. And in that, there is hope for us. We have a hope that transcends this temporal suffering. There was a quote I saw Mm -hmm. recently going around um, from a woman who was paralyzed. And she said, the first thing that I'm going to do in resurrected body, you know, with this is to get down on resurrected knees and worship the Lord. And I was like, I know. How often do you hear like, oh, I'm going to dance. I'm going to run. I'm going to. No, she's like, no, I'm going to get on my knee and worship worship with resurrection days like that's the right it's like it's like i don't have that much hope that in this temporal life things are going to get better i'm not i don't have uh what what todd pruitt on that episode of gospel riot with less what he said was the american church has often absorbed this american idea of american optimism that well you know absolutely we're going to round the corner and things are going to get better and hope is far less fragile than that Hope says oh, it man. may not get better this side of eternity, right? It, we, if you're, if you're, if you have That's stage good four right cancer, there. you may get healed, but you may not be miraculously. You healed. keep making quotes like this. I'm going to start being charismatic. <laughs> uh, I'm just stealing them from other people who are smart. Yeah, I know. But, I know. Um, great. but you, if you, if you have that situation, right, you, you're going through this tremendous suffering. It may not end. You may not be around the corner from your yes for Joe Olstein, right? You may just keep being crushed by it. But Christ will sustain you. And in the end, God is working all things out for his glory and for our good. So that on the day of judgment, in eternity, when we sit before the throne of God for all eternity, we can worship him and rejoice in our suffering because Christ was glorified through it. Like, and how much richer and more comforting is that than to say, well, it'll get better. You know, you're just around the corner. It'll it'll get better. I know. know. (laughs) Live your best life now. You're just three no's away from your yes. <laughs> I can do what this book says I can do. <laughs> I am what this book says I am. You're a wolf. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. Go watch American Gospel, friends. <laughs> it's quite good. So hopefully that little, you know, that little thought or recap about Calvin, Calvin's theology. Um, the fact we just that he was a pastor a, who loved God. Yeah. We just kind of want to have a reflective conversation about that. I don't know if you had any other thoughts winding down with it. No, I I just think it's important that folks realize um, being firm about our doctrines and and being very serious about them um, and being in a place where we're willing to stand up and and fight against other doctrines uh, that we believe to be either errant or false isn't um, isn't necessarily divisive in the sense that we're not um we're not being arrogant. We're 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 passionate about our King and about His truths. And so, um, th- you you can have zeal and vigor and and firmness in what you believe, and that's not arrogance. That's not. Uh, I mean, it is dogmatic in the sense in, in the real sense, but there's nothing wrong with being dogmatic as long as it's dogmatic about the right thing <laughs> right about the truth right i mean yeah. we have uh bovings 
reformed dogmatics. I mean, and my um, boy Gerhardus Voss. Right. So, I, you know, since we're since we're talking about Calvin, like Calvin said, uh, and, and I think this in many ways can apply to the Christian as well. But he says the pastor ought to have two voices, right? Mm. One for gathering the sheep and one for warding off and driving off wolves and thieves. Mm. That There's two voices that can be had for the Christian. We can speak the truth, but we can also condemn that which is false. Um, and so as we as we pursue truth, we pursue true doctrine, true religion uh, in Christ um, with love and compassion for our neighbor, uh, but we can still be we can still be firm and 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 fierce about the truth because uh, we love God and who mm-hmm. what 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 sort of uh, what sort of servants would we be if we wouldn't stand up for what we believe about our King? So yeah, what I also there's a this isn't a direct relation, but it comes into the the reformed conversation around the second commandment, which I'm sure we'll have a great full episode about that. So you'll hear this again, <laughs> but there is a, a comment that people will make, right? If, well, I'm just reminded of, of the Lord and this and that by these images. And I heard someone say, well, if I pull out a, a picture, you know, I, I carry around a picture of, um, I don't know, Scarlett Emma Stone or something right, like someone that, in my yeah. wallet. Uh, and I say, this is my wife. Um, first of all, that's that's just lying because she isn't. But secondly, <laughs> even if she kind of looks like your wife, she's not actually your wife. And how is your wife going to feel if you're carrying around a photo of a movie star and you're like, well, th- this is my wife <laughs> or, or this reminds me of my wife? How how <laughs> ridiculous is that analogy to make? Um, and I know that's just a silly analogy. That's not a scriptural exegetical argument. We'll get into that when we talk about the second commandment. But I think it like it just resonates. I'm like, oh, yep. Yep, that would be ridiculous. But the same way, right? We right. want to be zealous. So husbands, be zealous for your wives. Wives for their husbands, right? How much more us for the king who bought us? For Amen. To whom we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. How zealous should we be for the bridegroom? Yeah. I, listen, we call ourselves Calvinists. We believe in Calvinism, as it were. But ultimately, that's just a phrase, a repackaged phrase uh, for what we believe to be biblical Christianity. It's just the truth. It's just biblical uh, truth as we as we have perceived it and has been revealed to us um, through the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think it was Sproul who said that uh, Calvinism is just a, another. It's it's essentially just the reform theology is essentially just the purest form of biblical Christianity that we have in the modern era. Um, you could say covenant theology is distilled, distilled theology. theology. You could say Calvinism <laughs> is the gospel distilled. Ooh. Ooh, right <laughs> What's that, that Spurgeon quote? Spurgeon quote. He says Calvinism is the gospel and nothing else. <laughs> oh man, bro. Calvinism is distilling the gospel. Oh, oh man. Future merch. <laughs> future merch. We're just going to keep being all the puns. Uh, speaking oh, of speaking. Future. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Listen, this is important. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're a podcast that prides ourselves on dad jokes. Okay. Mm. Now we haven't had too many as of late <gasps> and our good friends from assurance of pardon, uh, Scott uh, has decided to send me and fill my inbox with dad jokes. He's up in the DMs. He's up in my DMs, sending me dad jokes, and they're hilarious. So I'm going to read a few of these for you guys. Just a couple. I've got to save the goods, you know? Listen, alligators can grow up to 15 feet, but most of them have only four. (laughs) I accidentally drank invisible ink. 
Now I'm at the hospital waiting to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) One more, one more. Last one. I'm excited about Autopsy Club tonight. It's open mic night. (laughs) Well, it just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Can't even look at the camera. So, tune in next week for some more great dad jokes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you Scott, Scott Davis. Davis. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> sure, it's my a guy. pardon. <laughs> Go check out their podcast, by oh, the way. for sure. Super good. Super they're amazing. Good. One of my favorites. Oh, they're so much fun. They're a blast. <laughs> Which, actually, I was going to go do the other thing, but you know what? Now is as good a time as ever to talk about the Society of Reform Podcasts. <laughs> this is a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a reform perspective. And like the Avengers movie to movie... It's growing. The roll call now includes our friends. Got him. Assurance of Pardon. The Bobcast. Christ in Context. Yours truly. Fast God Stuff. A new show called the Five Points Church Planting Podcast. The Reform Brotherhood. Reform Pilgrims. A new podcast called Seeker Start. Sipping on Theology. Steady Anchor. And The Shorter, which is also a new show. You can get all these shows, subscribe to them, and get all this goodness in your podcasting feed at Reformed Podcasts. You can also check out more distilling theology content (laughs) Uh, by joining us on social media. If you join us on Facebook, we have a Facebook page which you can like to be regularly updated with podcast information. You can join our Facebook group where you can Mm. interact with us on a daily basis. Enjoy great fellowship amongst Brethren and sistren in Christ. <laughs> Whoa. Um, we have tons 570 of 570 members, bro. Yes. Yeah. We're growing. We're growing like crazy. Um, there's, there's memes, there's theological discussions, there's uh, distilled spirit discussions. There's everything on there that you could possibly want. Let's be honest. And <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> Shout out to you, Les Lanfear. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so join us there. Uh, Engage with us on a regular on a regular basis. It's a lot of fun. Check out our Instagram, uh, Distilling Theology. You will find all kinds of great, um, beautiful photography uh, of books, distilled spirits. Um, if you use hashtag Distilling Theology, you may end up on our feed. Uh, we have over a thousand people on there now, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Thank you. Um, and also go to distillingtheology.com, where when we do giveaways, you can join the giveaways there. You can also uh, check out our store which has all that new merch we talked about in the beginning of the episode um and then there's the actual feed of our podcast you can get all of our podcasts at distillingtheology.com yeah also join us where else blake to get extra content well if you join us on patreon starting at 4.99 per month less than the cost of a grande pumpkin spice latte at starbucks last i checked you can get discounts on all that cool merch at the distilling theology store but also Extended conversations from podcasts. Our Sam Renahan discussion went for two and a half hours, so be sure to check that out. You get episodes before they're released to the public, video episodes, and also for $14.99 per month after three months of support, we will send you an exclusive Patreon mug. I'm in post-production on one of our video exclusives, so stay tuned for that. Life's been a little crazy, but it's coming. And there may be some cool future merchandise for that tier as well, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, 
So, yeah, Justin, what are we talking about next week? Well, let's be honest. Every once in a while, we like to keep people on their toes. It's going to be a surprise. Oh, yeah. But we are going to be sipping a green chartreuse, which is a little bit off the beaten path, which I'm really excited about. Um, If that's any any indication on where our episode may lead. (laughs) Uh, So check it out. Um, tune in next week and you will be blessed, uh, with a very exciting and distilled episode. <laughs> You'll be blessed with the Hesed. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria, friends. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Distilling Theology. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We had a blast recording it, and our conversation went on for a little bit longer. So here's a sneak preview of the extended conversation, which is available exclusively at patreon.com slash distilling theology. It's almost, to me, it's almost like a form of uh, unity in the Christian church, right? The, sure. the brothers who believe different things uh, conviction-wise on, on secondary and tertiary issues, um, okay. but are able to still... Uh, help each other out in a sense, you know, uh, mm-hmm. leaning into each other and saying, you know, I love what you've done here with this, uh, although I may disagree. So I'm just going to say, OK, this is where I disagree and this is what we believe. Um, oh, yeah. it, it's a it's a cool church history is a cool thing to study. And I wish I knew more. Well, yeah. And the confessions to what you were saying are so unified. If you sure. read the Belgian Confession, if you read the mm-hmm. Westminster, if you read the 1689, if you read um, even the 39 articles, the Savoy Declaration, there's so much continuity uh, between all these major Reformed confessions. And even though they differ, as you said, secondary tertiary issues, there's differences. And yet, ultimately, what are they? They're a flag of unity, of Christian unity. Right. Um, over and, and consider they're sold in sets together because, yeah. <laughs> they, like, you get yeah. them both because you're like, I love the theology here. I love the content. I, even though, even though I, I disagree with. Uh, Pedo baptism. Uh, I love the content that the Presbyterians have put out. You know, some of the some of the theology that um, that's been that's been written. Um, oh, yeah. You know, by Bob Inc. and and uh, uh, and and all <laughs> the these. Um, uh, you know, these Dutch guys. I mean, it's just great, great, great content to be able to latch onto and and to learn from. Yeah.